Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, welcome back to the Backhanders, bringing you all the ins and the outs from that great game of tennis here. On this podcast, we cover each tennis slam. We're unafraid to slam that very tennis. My name is Lightning, and with me, a man whose social life is in permanent lockdown. That man is Catters. Catters, welcome. Lightning, great to be with you on this final Sunday of the Aussie Open Grand Sham Lightning. It has lived up to its name. Hmm. For listeners out there who might have missed the last fortnight's play, I am extremely envious because that was not what you could call tennis lightning. That was some sort of reheated three-day-old burrito of a sport, my friend. And I can feel <laughs> my stomach reacting poorly. In fact, I'm probably not alone, Lightning. It's it's why the players have been pulling out so regularly throughout this tournament is because they can't stomach it either. I mean, this is sub-par tennis. And... Part of me is just trying to battle through and be positive and think, yes, we got tennis back. But the other part of me is like, that's not the tennis I wanted back. This is the dumbed down sequel that we didn't ask for. We've been berating the Friends cast for the last decade to reunite. We haven't been asking for the Joey reboot by Matt LeBlanc by any means. (laughs) It's like we said, hey, come back, play a tournament, but don't train come out of 14 days where you have basically just binged on Netflix and pizza and show up and entertain us and shock horror the sport was rubbish yeah it's been an open cut it's been so bad that after the five day snap lockdown we had when fans were given the option to come back there was two days where crowds were able to but just chose not to so It's funny you should say that, Lightning, because there were points where during that five-day lockdown, they obviously replaced the crowds with the simulated sound effect of crowds. And the tennis was so poor that when the cheering was happening, I genuinely thought it was sarcastic jeers from the crowd. I mean, if you imagine the moral dilemma that that broadcast sound effects guy is going through, he's like, technically, this lady has just won the set, but it was with a string of 10 consecutive unforced errors from her opponent. So how would a crowd react? So there were a lot of existential dilemmas going on during the broadcast. But Kat, that's where for me, I was admiring the flexibility and adaptability of these sound engineers that were having to think on the job and go, what Bronx cheers do we have on hand? What mumble do we have? And apparently they ended up getting the Nadal heckler to come into the studio and record <laughs> heckles to then play during the upcoming matches to reflect what a crowd would be actually doing and responding. You call out a forehand, you jackass! Okay, she's just reading through a script. You arrogant, (laughs) you incompetent, (laughs) you undisciplined. The fact that they used the technology to multiply her in the stands, I thought was a really nice touch. (laughs) Just having an army of 50 Karens heckling Jen Brady as she's trying to serve. But I know, Lightning, a lot of people are probably saying, hey, Catters, you're not a professional tennis player. How can you really judge how bad the standard was? And to that I say, Channel 9's own Sam Groth is hardly a tennis player. Todd Woodbridge shouldn't be allowed to give out singles trophies at the presentation afterwards. 
insert female Australian <laughs> B-grade tennis celebrity here should not be allowed in Rod Laver Arena. Exactly. So nobody really has the credentials to speak out about the sport. That's what I love about the democracy that is. Sorry, but but I'm a human with a spirit that has been crushed, <laughs> admittedly, by what I've seen over the past 14 days. And, you know, this whole thing that, oh, sport brings people together, it takes our mind off things that are happening in the real world. No, it doesn't. When it's bad tennis, they didn't describe the full story. If it's good sport, yes, good sport can do that. When it's bad sport, honestly, take me back to lockdown. Put a live stream of people getting vaccinated around the world because that would have been more interesting than the men's semifinals. <laughs> the other thing, Lightning, is that this tournament, it's been noticeable how many players have been looking up to their coaches in the stands and looking for some sort of ping pong or dialogue, which of course is illegal. But I genuinely think that they were stumped about the rules of tennis, the technique, how they should be hitting a ball. Like There should have been some sort of compassionate coaching break that could be called three times a match to remind yourself, what the freak am I doing out on this court in the blazing sun? Because it's been so long since I've picked up a ball that I don't know whether to shot put it into the stands or to eat it. Is this a fruit? I'm having a crisis. Players were playing their racket like a guitar. Uh, this E string's a little flat. I mean, when Kokonakis asked for Tommy Emmanuel to come and restring his racket, I should have figured out that something was awry. So, Lightning, nobody knew what they were doing in this fortnight. And as the viewers, we are the victims of this. Mm. We have just witnessed a grand sham. Mm. And we'll get onto it later, but I just... I think we're on it now, Catters. <laughs> okay. I mean, I wanted to save it for later. The depression, the valley of darkness that we're about to enter, that is Roland Garros. But... Honestly, I look at this tournament, I look at the next tournament, I look at Djokovic's record, I look at Rafa's record, mm. and I'm ready to retire. I, mm. Catters, am ready to retire from tennis podcasting. I was going to say broadcasting, but I ain't going to big myself up. <laughs> Lightning, I'm going to retire from today onwards because I don't see any purpose in it all, and I am calling on my colleagues... Rafa and Joker to do the same because the whole sport has become so predictable yeah. that we could actually put our feet up for six months of the year mm. and until these two guys are deceased, there is no point in we get sucked into the hype. Oh, this player is kind of good. Or this player might make a quarterfinal, might make a semifinal. Yeah. None of it matters. Mm. They used to call them the next gen. They're starting to call them the next millennia <laughs> players. And the proposal that Tennis Australia have put forward of American doubles of two players versus Djokovic for the remainder of his career on Rod Laver, I think is a fair <laughs> suggestion. And the good thing, Kat, is, as you highlighted in our last podcast, there's 12 chump Americans to play American doubles <laughs> with them. Maybe put all of those Todd Martin copies on court together against Novak Djokovic. Serving simultaneously, multi-ball. <laughs> He'll still beat them, Lightning. It's an absolute disgrace. I think you said at one point in our text message conversation during the men's final, Medvedev needs a jump in the Yarra. 
And that's something we usually reserve for <laughs> champions. But in his case, he needed to wake up to himself. I mean, what are you totally. doing with your life? You have promised us so much and delivered so little. And the players, Lightning, were capitulating because oh. as the Phoenix... The phoenixes, the phenies, I don't know what the plural is, but the multiple phoenixes rise from the ashes. The rest of the players were left to tend to their injuries, and I think it was a visionary call by Craig Tiley to install that crematorium in the locker room because some players just never made it out. I thought it was fitting that Karatsev just walked out of the quarterfinals with an urn and gave it to the opponent's coach because... These players have gotten injured. They don't want to go on with life. Some of them are in their early 20s. They won't live to 50 to see out Novak Djokovic and the whole plane. <laughs> they know there's no hope of a singles title. It's really sorted out the Novaks from the non-Novaks. And I probably could have guessed that pre-tournament lightning. I, I had a hunch. Cat, <laughs> is it such a good call? I mean, the players walking off never to be seen from again, but there was a whole swarm of them, Catters, that just fell apart before our eyes. I have never seen so many injuries. I mean, we were seven at the midway point. Then we saw some huge names, Dimitrov, Rud, Berrettini, Carino, Busta, uh, Busted. Uh, he, they all went. They all just blew up, Catters. It was a self-implosion of player... Dominic team. Some made it to the finish line, but with single limbs. They weren't even able to hop to the crematorium to, to get shoved in there by Craig Tiley off court. So when we talk about the Grand Sham, some of it was they could not find enough fit players to play the back end of the tournament. They had to go into City Central and drag out some anti-vax protesters in the city of Melbourne and just shove them onto court. And Lightning, I, I started to just twig that something was wrong with this tournament when I saw that Sam Stoza made it to the mixed doubles final. <laughs> Sam Stoza having success on Aussie soil is again the mark of the beast. It is a sign of the apocalypse, Lightning. <laughs> Admittedly, in brackets, I was reassured by the WC, which I genuinely thought was wheelchair, until I read up it was wildcard. <laughs> And there is none wilder than a 67-year-old Samantha Stoza. <laughs> oh. Well, is not the tennis we expected. We've been longing, begging to have tennis back. We probably should have been smarter in defining the kind of tennis we would like to have seen come back. And yet, we saw tennis. And Catters, that means there's some room for excitement. So I'm keen to hear in our first segment, our come-on segment, what's got you going in the 2021 Australian Open. I've got nothing in my head. I'm just really excited and I want to hug the whole stadium. So, Kat, is my friend, what is it? What's got you going this year? Lightning, I think as the public, we have been a little distracted by this huge narrative of Serena getting to 24. And it's dominated all the headlines over the past two, three years. And I want to just shift the focus a little bit. And I am on Osaka 24 because honestly, <laughs> I think there's a better chance that she's going to beat Margaret Court's record before Serena <laughs> attempts it as a great grandmother. And we have the perfect upgrade of Serena Williams. Yes. Naomi Osaka for me, watching her play, it's like watching Serena 2.0. Mm. And Lightning, look, 
I loved my first iPhone. It was wonderful. It did the job. But the iPhone upgrade, it runs faster. <laughs> it's got a full cover on it rather than this weird half-half thing that I could never quite figure out. It's just better lighting. And it gets better reception these days too as well. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, so Lightning, I'm just completely caught up with Naomi Osaka. I think she is mm. the future of women's tennis. I could see her dominating for the better part of the next 15 years. Yeah. And she's great because she's this enigma that we enjoy so much. Mm. Because off the court, quietly spoken, lovely, courteous person that is Naomi Osaka. But on the court, oh, vicious, yes. domineering Brutal tennis player. Cold-blooded, yeah. Yes, cold-blooded assassin. And it's even in the name, Lightning. Yes. You know, Naomi, school kid, lovely, the girl next door, Osaka, <laughs> on court, sniper, ready to take down anybody. Osaka. I mean, what, should we even call her Naomi Osaka? Is it just Serena the Second? <laughs> or what? Do you have anything to add to that, Lightning? Only patters that I fully agree with you. And you hear every press conference, she starts with phrases like, I just felt like nervous and scared, I think, in the beginning. And then I sort of eased my way into it. And it's just an honor to play her. And even when she goes to the net cutters, she demolished Serena in a way that she has rarely been beaten in her career. And Osaka walks to the net and just offers her a little, little bow. Which I just love. There's Serena melting down, having her last chance at 24 ripped from her. And Asaka just does that little little nod. Little bow before producing a giant samurai sword and just finishing her off in front of the screaming crowd. Oh, it was brilliant. The sound effects guy was like, what? I wasn't trained for this. There's, there's too much blood. There's too much blood. <laughs> I mean, it's just so genius hearing her press conferences and even just hearing her talk on court where she'll just be like, you know, oh, it's such an honor to play with you. I mean, I just felt really bad seeing as I had to play you. And then I decided to murder you and all your family and kick your ass all over the court. And I really enjoyed destroying you today and ending your career prematurely. And it was my honor and... And a great thing with Osaka as well is that everyone talks about it's something bigger than tennis. She's playing for something bigger. It has a bigger meaning, you know. And when you ask her, it's just this sweet response after destroying someone in a match of, yeah, well, for me, this title really meant literally burning the ashes of my opponent and urinating on their collective legacy. Um, so I just... <laughs> She's just so enjoyable to watch Caddis and listen to. And her takedown in the aftermatch presentation on court was just all class. When the first thing she says as she gets to the mic, having beaten Jennifer Brady in straight sets in cold blood, turns to her and says, firstly, I just want to ask, do you prefer to be called Jenny or Jennifer? And then Jennifer Brady says, I prefer to be called Jenny. And Osaka turns back to Mike and says, firstly, I want to congratulate Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate slapdown. And what are you going to do about it, bitch? <laughs> no wonder our friend Jan Brady has a middle child complex. You could hear her off mic just saying, Masha, Masha, Masha. <laughs> and Lightning, seriously, who's going to stop her? Who's going to stop yeah. her? Pliskova? Yeah. One of the Pliskovas? I don't think so, Lightning. <laughs> the fact that Pliskova now is just a one-word gag, I don't even have to build on that Lightning, and I refuse to, like she does her own game. So, <laughs> And Barty? You're going <laughs> to... 
Yes. You know, Ash Barty. I mean, Barty's draw. If Ash Barty's draw was a Melbourne Cup, it would be that she drew the inside barrier and the remaining seven horses were tied together by their tails and (laughs) jockeyed by a drunk Warwick Kappa. And yet she still went around the track the wrong way and managed to jump into the stands, never to be seen again. We knew she had a tough draw, but coming up against Karen in round four. (laughs) uh, (laughs) But Kat, is your dead right? I mean, now that Osaka is on her run, the thing we need to start the campaign for is Osaka 24. Yeah. I mean, she's now a four-time Grand Slam winner. Having never lost a Grand Slam final, she's now on a 21-match winning streak. She hasn't lost in over a year. She's unbeatable. So I get your campaign cutters. Scrap the pursuit of Serena 24. It's Osaka 24. I mean, for for me, cutters, the first four Grand Slams, they're the hard work. The next 20, (laughs) really, it's downhill skiing from that point on. Watch the throne, Margaret Court. I tell you, I mean, you might have caught one named after you. Osaka's got the second biggest freaking city in Japan. Talk about an early troll. Lightning, what are you excited about? Catters, for me, what got me excited was the players' resilience. Yes, there was a lot of players that dropped like the proverbial sack of spuds. And, you know, moment silence because they're in the crematorium now. And those baked potatoes are smelling wonderful. Little bit of bacon, little bit of cheese, and we'll be good to go post-tournament. But there's also players that actually managed to stand up to survive, and actually even to win. Novak Djokovic. I mean, Cutters, we pay out on this bloke a lot because he is worth paying out on. And yet, this bloke just won his ninth Australian Open. He's just won his 18th Grand Slam, and he did it despite pre-tournament having the mother of all blisters on his hand, being Mm. unable to hold a racket and yet he got through, then suffering that abdominal injury mid-match, and we just thought he was gone. We just thought he was gone, and yet... Tore a muscle, I believe, Lightning. Tore it off the bone. It had fallen out of his shorts. It fell down onto court, and a ball boy swept it up. So he was without an abdominal muscle. He then had a brain hemorrhage on court cutters. You know, he then physically died and was resuscitated on court. We thought his tennis he was redlining, but he was actually physically redlining and was brought back from the dead for that five-set match against Taylor Fritz. So, you know, we continued to hear that he was close to death, but the resurrection continued, Cutters, and the man made it all the way through the tournament and held up despite the abdominal tear, despite having no muscles left on his body, he was able to physically hold up that trophy at the end of the tournament. I mean, Cutters, what did you make about Novak Djokovic and his sheer resilience? Well, Lightning, I think the mark of the man is the fact that you wouldn't have known that he had any of those ailments along the way. (laughs) You know, we give him a lot of stick, and I think that's mainly because he's a direct threat to himself and the welfare of others around him. And I'm particularly concerned what it's going to look like in the aftermath, because we know that Novak loves, he loves a party, and he loves a sweaty 
grinding celebration. <laughs> and there ain't no pandemic that's going to get in his way of celebrating the epic 18th Grand Slam victory. On that, I have just been checking the news feed coming through and the Victorian government have just declared a five-day snap jock down uh, in order to keep Victoria safe from a roving, nude, sweaty, celebrating Novak Djokovic. Jock up your children, people. (laughs) But lightning, if nothing else, we got the final that we wanted as a public. It could not have been between two nicer guys. The real friendly faces of the ATP tour. It's just great to see two consummate PR professionals who the public have really warmed to over time. Joker v. Medvedevil. Yeah, two of the more popular men on tour, one might say, Catters. And of course, there was just something that suggested to me they've separated themselves from the pack a little when uh, in the presentation, both were so affirming of how nice a bloke each other was. <laughs> and it was wonderful to hear, but it did make me wonder what any other player on the tennis circuit's presentation speech would have looked like about one of those two gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like watching a press conference or a meet and greet between two dictators from like third world <laughs> nations that are just like... I hear you're really good with your people. (laughs) It's where like narcissism meets delusion, where you actually see a lot of things that you like in a person that are just direct reflections of your own personality. That's right. We too, we we too like each other and not science. I like that. I like that about us. Every time I have a bagel... I'm just trying before the match, I'm just thinking, okay, today I better don't eat the bagel today. Catters, it is time for the great segment, Fed Up and Poo Down. Having seen an open of terrible tennis, we attempt to mine the ashes, to look through the chaff and discover whether there is any phoenix in those ashes that may rise up, that may be a potential future Fed. And of course, we sift through those ashes to determine whether there's just bits of crap in there that (laughs) probably belongs and should really stay in said ashes. Those who are pooing down, failing to live up to their potential catters, you're fed up, you're poo down. Lightning, my fed up is Carolina Mukova, the semi-finalist from this year's Australian Open. And Mm -hmm. my poo down is my inability slash unwillingness to research Carolina (laughs) Mukova. So it'll be a, it'll be a short segment this time round. Lightning. Don't know much about our friend Muchoba. However, I will say one thing. Hmm. How dare you take a strategic injury timeout against oh, our yes. Ash Barty? Don't you think you can get away with that? I know it's been going on for mm. decades in the sport. The old MTO trick, Lightning, medical timeout. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell you now, Carolina. In life, you don't get medical timeouts. When I'm on a date and I'm struggling, do you know the amount of times I've wanted to call a 10-minute MTO? Do you know the amount of times my boss has told me into his office and asked me to explain unidentified charges to our company credit card? I don't get an MTO there. So when you are down one set and a break against our Ash Barty, you're not taking no 10-minute break. You need to warm man up, Carolina Mokova. (laughs) 
Exactly. The fact that she came back from it playing with her other arm, I thought <laughs> was just, it's too much. She came back on inside Andy Murray's RoboCop body. And I thought, you know, that's stretching the rules. First of all, Lightning, what could she have possibly spent those 10 minutes on? Well, I think the fact that she had full access to the studio cameras and old match footage of Ash, I thought was just a step too far. She came back with heat maps of where Ash had been that match and the various blind spots she had and was able to exploit those. So Access to Ash's dating history, <laughs> dental records. It, 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 <laughs> questions have to be asked, Lightning. <laughs> I imagine that she's just walked straight off the court and into some sort of huge boardroom where there's like 20 young professionals all just brainstorming. Right, we got eight minutes and a big whiteboard. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? <laughs> Let's break it down. Let's break down her backhand. Okay, right. <laughs> I wondered, Catters, whether it might have been a scene from Superman 4 where she steps into that crystal and Superman's powers are preserved while all the bad guys outside of the cave had all of their powers taken away from them. So I kind of wonder whether there was a bit of a Lex Luthor kind of thing going on there. Yeah. Thank you for that extremely contemporary uh, (laughs) pop culture (laughs) reference, Lightning. My grandmother, who's a recent subscriber, really thanks you for the shout out. Any other Christopher Reeves-related gags you want to get in while we're at it? Also, I think Shirley Temple would have put up a better showing against her in that. I haven't seen footwork like that since Ginger Rogers in the 30s. I mean, Ash had less to say than Charlie Chaplin. I mean, it was just... Lightning, what's your fed up and poo down? My fed up is my pop references and my poo down is your inability to get on board, Catters. Or do you want to call it Fred up for Fred Stolly and Lou down for Lou Gehrig, the great baseball player from the 1920s? Catters, for me, my fed up this year is none other than Brady. Mm. I mean, this is a woman who made it to a Grand Slam final. And for me... Having come fresh from winning the Super Bowl only a week before, <laughs> to then, you know, go through all the necessary hoops, to then try his hand at women's tennis of all things, for me, there is nothing that man cannot do. So, jeez. Uh, Who says Americans are greedy? I do. <laughs> Uh, And when we said they were struggling to find tennis players for this tournament, they were struggling. So, but Cutters, Jennifer Brady, who was one of the 72 quarantine players. It was, of course, fascinating following the trajectory of some of those players. Some of them could not make it out of the gate and others... Like Brady, I mean, she flourished. She said from the very start that there was lots of people complaining. I told myself I wasn't going to complain. So this is a woman who was ranked 49 in the world before the kind of pandemic. And then since then, she's come back. She's won her first WTA title. She's reached her first Grand Slam semi-final at the US. And now she's backed that up at the Australian Open. Catters, there's only three players who have made the semi-finals of the US and the Australian Open. That is Serena Williams... That's Osaka, 
And that's Jennifer Brady. So this is someone we're going to be hearing a lot more from in the next few years, Cutters. So a big shout out in my fed up to Jennifer Brady. And of course, Instagram followers, Cutters, what's your guess? Naomi Osaka, what would you say she's pocketing? How many people are following her on the Insta? I would say she'd be just over a million. Yeah, yeah, you'd be wrong. 1.9 million (laughs) Cutters. So let's let's double your feeble attempts. Cutters, Jennifer Brady, how many she got? She's American and she's marketable. I think she's probably somewhere in the vicinity of three or four hundred thousand. Three or four hundred thousand would be almost three or four hundred thousand too many. Cut us thirty-two thousand seven hundred. One point nine million to thirty-two thousand. Cut us the Brady Bunch hashtag has one hundred and thirty-two thousand. Yeah, so she was out of her league, but she did well. Our Jennifer Brady. Cut us for me. My poo down is Tsitsipas's shorts, and they're my poo down because it physically looked like. Who was coming down his legs? Cutters, Adidas were his sponsor. And no one bothered to think about the very athlete they were dressing when they chose short, tight, khaki shorts for the sweatiest man on tour. So this guy is playing Medvedev and literally looked like he had pissed his pants For the entire match. I loved reading this tweet during the week which said, Millions of dollars of material technology research and they don't do the Does it look like he himself when he sweats test? (laughs) Astounding. (laughs) I'll give you the racket and we'll see how many many times you can return your serve also. You're you're a professional tennis player. I'm not. Okay. Kat, it's time to move towards the pointy end of this podcast, but we need to pause to visit our Mixed Troubles segment, a segment in which we turn our attention from the shoddiness of the tennis on court to the bylines, the important narratives of that which is happening off court. Catters, this week of tennis, what's been happening? Well, Lightning, it gives me no pleasure to announce the news that Gail Monfils and Alina Svitolina have parted ways. No, no. So Jem's life is no more. Oh, and oh, real tragedy. You know, I'm a huge Insta fan and mm. I just already can sense that, you know, where am I going to get my aspirational content from two professional tennis players mm. boarding private jets, practicing together? enjoying the life of luxury it's relatable content lightning and i feel suddenly like i don't know where to turn and i don't know what's going to happen next i think from jen brady's perspective maybe she could jump on the old gail monfils bandwagon to get a little bit of uh social media sizzle (laughs) boost her numbers a little bit maybe they can brand it gail brady uh which sounds like (laughs) The woman that works at every school tuck shop in the world. So if you're looking for cooking tips. Some haberdashery classics. Uh. Yeah. Uh, But Lightning, I think in spite of the sorrow we're experiencing for the loss of a tennis relationship, there is a fledgling Mm. tennis relationship on the cards. Is that not correct? Oh, it is, Cutters. And the news was broken via a piece of glass and a whiteboard marker. Demineur, the demon, after one of his classy wins, took to the camera. And of course, the tradition is, as players leave court, to scribble on the glass of the camera lens. And he wrote and gave the news, broke the news, that he was in fact dating 
the British tennis player, Katie Bolter. And uh, he left the court fairly quickly after revealing that he was in cahoots with an English tennis player uh, <laughs> after that. So uh, we haven't seen him emerge from the court since. But uh, <laughs> Straight off the court and into witness protection. But talk about marketability, Lightning. I mean, launch that couple's website, The Demon Bolter, because there is nothing more marketable than that name. <laughs> So, Katis, what are they spruiking? If Gail Brady is uh, spruiking cooking tips uh, and uh, gardening maintenance suggestions, what is uh, Demon Bolter dishing up? It's exorcisms at an affordable price, Lightning. (laughs) And there's been a gap in the market for far too long, if you ask me. Oh, your missus is acting up. She's frothing at the mouth on the couch. 1-800-DEMON-BOLTER. Lightning, I am compelled by this writing on the camera because it used to be just autographs. It was the simple signing of the name. I guess they figured that's all that most professional players could manage. (laughs) But then comes fancy pantsy Naomi Osaka with her woke attitude. And what is she writing on the screen? Kat is the precise line. She's writing not... Naomi Osaka, but Mary, stop sending weird images in the group chat. <laughs> so she's taking the opportunity to uh, deal with some dirty laundry and some of her domestic challenges with her sister. Because I don't know about this writing stuff. I mean, we also had Tsitsipas writing cryptic messages. I think he sprawled TP. On the screen. What's his, what's what's TP? Yeah, he said something like that one was for TP once he beat Rafa. All oh, right. Which I could only assume was toilet paper in his case. After- <laughs> <laughs> so it was more of a cry for help. Was, Please get it out here. Court one now. He was taunting Melburnians who were stocking up in the outer suburbs, panic buying. <laughs> Please don't patronise me. I, I would have. No, no, you are. In, in the way I'm you're asking, in the way you're asking your question, you are being quite disrespectful, and you are patronising me. I'm a professional competitor who did her best today. Cutters, it's going to be tough to say goodbye to the 2021 Grand Sham, but Cutters, I want to check in. I want to see how you and I have gone in our predictions of this year's Open. Let's review the finals. We had in the men's category Novak Djokovic. Versus a red-hot Medvedev, a man who had 20 wins in a row in Medvedev coming into this tournament. He'd had 12 wins against top 10 players in a row. This bloke was all smug. He was ready to take the Joker down and could not fire a shot in a three-set men's final when Novak Djokovic won his ninth. Cutters, who did you predict in the men's? Go on, Cutters. Say it, you cheeky little smug Medvedev man. <laughs> Novak Djokovic. Did Novak you? Novak Djokovic. Just had to look that one up, did you? Yeah, don't give me that. So, Katas, you had chosen Novak Djokovic. Myself, Rafa Nadal, to go to number 21. He was not able to do that. Instead, Novak Djokovic has closed the gap to 18, leaving him two Grand Slams behind Fed and Rafa. Rafa, of course, going out to Tsitsipas. I believe I saw Fed write a small note to Rafa after he lost to Tsitsipas. I believe it said, uh, bad luck, you OCD f***, I think was what uh, Fed said. Obviously sympathetic. Did you get the singing telegram I sent in the second set? (laughs) Karen, you've gone early. Karen. (laughs) 
You've gone early and particularly monotone. That is not what I ordered. Where's your mariachi band? <laughs> and again, that barbershop quartet that got ejected during the Medvedev <laughs> final. Suck it, suck it, suck it. <laughs> Oh, so Katters, congratulations on predicting Novak Djokovic on the men's side. On the women's side, Katters, you'd predicted Serena Williams to be there in the final. She didn't make it. She was chopped down literally by that samurai sword of Osaka in the semifinals. And it seemed to suggest maybe this is the last time we're going to see her at the Rod Laver Arena in the press conference. She broke down and finished it after only a couple of minutes, a very short interview. And we don't quite know what she was asked. I believe it was some question like, uh, how does your right leg feel after it was left uncovered for the entire tournament? (laughs) Something along those lines. We're not sure. We'll never be sure. But will we ever see Serena here in Australia again? We'll have to wait and see. Because Osaka and her quest for 24 begins now. She is now a four-time Grand Slam champion after she took out Brady Cutter's eye predicted Naomi Osaka and am very much loving the fact that I did. We did pretty well between us. Lightning, do I get a half point for predicting Serena? Because Serena the second ended up pulling out the title. (laughs) I know it's semantics, but... Because I'm guessing you're not going to give me anything for my Tennis Sangren Dark Horse effort. <laughs> You'd be surprised, no, Curtis. And I'm going to get two points for Osaka because she's the 2.0. <laughs> Fine. Uh, lame horse-wise, Lightning. Cutters, I'm also stoked. At the midway point, we had seven. I tipped 11. Cutters, guess how many lame horses we had. We had 11. I was on the money when it comes to predicting the misfortune of others. How was that, Cutters? Well, it's good. I think my 15 was overly ambitious again. I always get excited, Lightning. I started the preview by talking about planes going down, and I never really recovered from there. (laughs) Call it a prophetic analogy of the sport of tennis, uh, but I missed the mark slightly. (laughs) Oh, that you did, Catters. We're taking this home, folks. You will not hear from us again until we preview our next Grand Slam, that of Wimbledon later this year. There may or may not be some other tennis in between there. We'll have to wait and see. But friends, note that the future of tennis is bright. This year, they got rid of linesmen. Next year, French Opens, we can only hope. (laughs) So friends, we know you're listening, but we would love others to get on board and to appreciate the love that is the backhander. So please share the podcast and review the podcast, which helps get the name out there. And of course, jump on Instagram, follow us at The Backhanders, do so too through Facebook, also at The Backhanders, and make sure while you're there, why not follow Gail Brady as well, and get yourself some fine knitting designs. But my friends, until we meet again, until we see you at our next Grand Slam, just remember that if you're suffering career-threatening injuries, but manage to win anyway, please just remember to be quiet, please. Well, Lightning, my fed up is Karolina Mukova of the Czech Republic. Mm. Is she of the Czech Republic? Much of a feeling. (laughs) It's much of a feeling.
She is of the Czech Republic. She uh, is of the Czech. <laughs> okay. You'd better just check. She was from the Czech. Da, 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 da. Check, please. Okay. 